What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Got a really fun episode for you today. My guest today is Jake Pliskin. Um, he is an artist visually and musically. We got into a lot of topics today. We talked about a wide, a wide range of things. I hope you enjoy it. the speaking of Lamar, did you ever get the government uh message on your my friend was telling me he got this like message on a screen one time and it was like you have you've been caught illegally downloading music and you're gonna owe this much money or so. i don't know if it was wait a virus did you get or... it like after he like downloaded some shit and like it just like that was the file where it was like sometimes you'd like download a song and then it would be like that recording of like the dude doing the Bill Clinton voice, and you're like, I did not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. Know. No, I didn't know. Um, I wasn't big into LimeWire or like Napster or anything like that. I just, I was uh, because I heard that story so early. I was like, well, and he like destroyed his computer. He like poured water on it and smashed it with a hammer. And I was like, if they, you got to clean if, your hard drive. Well, that's the thing. I was like, if you just <laughs> if you just smash it, like, I mean the the, the keystrokes are there, right? Like. Probably somebody can go in and just re get. I mean, get all. It's that the fucking data. government, yeah. dude. They yeah. can get in there. You yeah. got to destroy. You got to atomize the hard drive. <laughs> How you doing today, man? I am pretty good. Um, fucking uh, yeah. Honestly, just taking a nice uh, introverts weekend. Honestly, um, been going, going, going for a bit, and I gotta. I've been taking the time to relax and do some drawing, focus on some hobbies and stuff. Very cool, very cool. How's, and how's the how's the weekend been for you mentally? Mm, it's been a good one. Good. Um, yeah. Um, like I said, just... How do I put it? Um, my soul has been exhaling for a minute, so I'm just taking some time to inhale. I got um, you. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of output needs some input. Indeed. Mm. Uh, watching a lot of fucking X-Files, fucking... Um, <laughs> I've been on that for a minute. Um, tonight, actually, I don't know if this will air by the time. It will. Uh, it will. Oh, yes. it, all right. So I'm giving a shout out right off the top. Let's um, do it. So 60 Minutes Tonight is doing an episode on UAP, Unknown Aerial Phenomenon. Mm. Um, it's a big thing. Disclosure may or may not be coming uh, in the, what was it, the 2021 like budget that they passed or whatever. Yeah. Um, they had until it was either late June or July uh, to disclose like a bunch of information regarding extraterrestrials. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, what? Who knows what we're actually gonna see? It could just be like a bunch of like pages just redacted, 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 just all the black bars uh, covering yeah. everything. <laughs> but you know, could be some, could be misinformation. <laughs> who knows? It'll be all the words that they that they do allow through the black bars are just gonna raise more questions than answers. Gonna right? be like, spacecraft, alien potential like radioactive <laughs> blood what what <laughs> wait 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 what so not to get too political but what do you think so in terms of like uh, making a bill involving budgeting out distribution of funds what do you think made them go hey we need to know <laughs> what's going on with the aliens because it seems to me that like so coronavirus big priority yeah. over the past year Obviously, on most politicians' minds, you'd hope so, yeah. But the fact that they put this in there, I'm like, wait, is this a bigger threat? Is this a bigger deal than the pandemic? Like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Uh, hopefully, it's not all connected. I would hate to think that <laughs> aliens made coronavirus. Yeah, right, 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 right. And they, they, they're, uh, they're sowing dissent among the nations. 
I welcome it. Big heads, big eyes. I'm mm. here for it. Mm-hmm. Um, can't be doing a worse job than what we're doing now. Sure. Maybe they've been doing that job the entire time. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Um, are you familiar with the reptilians? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. <laughs> exactly. What's, what's that guy's name? Um, um, I just I just listened to David Icke. David Icke, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, he, Isn't you it weird just that listened to that this morning? So, Is that what you were about to fucking say? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I was listening to a show where they were talking about him recently, the last yeah. couple of days. And it's funny because you think about where he was at 10 years ago, and he was the loon. He was the kooky dude talking about reptilians. But now. And now he's like one of the, he's top 10 making most sense. It's yeah, honestly. Uh, simulation theory is real. Subscribe to it. Like, comment, subscribe if you believe in simulation theory. <laughs> Smash that like button for simulation theory. <laughs> what do you... So, people have all their theories about extraterrestrials, you know, whether they're us from the future, whether they are from a, a distant place. What's what's your What are your thoughts you're on just, it? You're cracking this open right at the beginning. I just... Yeah, I, all you right. seem invested. I want to get your... I want to get your piece because I'm not invested. All right. Um... Oh God, I wasn't expecting to have to answer this. Um, all right. So there's the idea. Um, it's kind of like old, old, old. Um, since at least like Roswell, I guess, if not way before that, cause there's a lot of like ancient UFO sightings and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's the idea that like the UFOs we're seeing are nuts and bolts crafts. Um, like they are mechanical vehicles for, from another planet that exists, you know, in this space time, as far as we understand it. Uh, but there is another philosophy that it is almost like a, uh, a psychic phenomenon in that, um, it's kind of like 50, 50, like part of it is like our projection. And part of it is like these things giving us that projection because like they can kind of see or feel what we're seeing or feeling okay. uh, it's it's kind of a similar concept to like, like put it in terms we can understand yeah like an angel or it's like i'm assuming this form so i don't just like melt your brain got it yeah okay it, similar um a lot of people are thinking that like you know these ufo sightings and stuff uh like the weird shit that people are seeing in the skies that it's unexplainable um that like they're almost doing that on purpose to kind of like be like hey we're we're here like be aware of us it's time to like step up your awareness slowly ramping up so we don't all just commit mass suicide um i mean like who knows what these things goals are i mean if they wanted to cause us harm they could um Mm -hmm. as evidenced by like all of the abduction scenarios and stuff Mm -hmm. people have experienced um then there's also the idea that like there's lots of different species out there because you got the grays the mantis people the pleiadians and i I could go on um and yeah like all of them have different goals different agendas and different means of doing their shit um and, like, some of their confl- are, are conflicting. Like, a lot of people that, like, have had experience with the Greys, um, like, they always kind of get the vibe that, like, they're really hostile, that they have, like, malice in, like, their hearts or minds or whatever. I don't know if they have those. Um, a lot of people think that the Greys are more like drones. Mm. Um, and then you have, like, other ones, like, the Ple- was it, I think the Pleiadians. I forget. Um, whatever from Planet Serpo. Um Dude, we, you open this can of worms. I like it. No, I'm fully invested in <laughs> yeah, all everybody right. listening is as well. Uh, but yeah, so like allegedly, uh, it was in the 70s, I think. Uh, they took like 12 human beings to their planet. There was an exchange program um, between them and the U.S. government. Uh, and this was the Majestic 12. And like they kind of just wanted to like work with humanity and like ease us along until we were maybe somebody that they could like deal with. Um yeah, like, then you hear some of these abduction scenarios. Um, like, the very first one was a 
Betty and Barney Hill. Um, yeah. That shit's fucking terrifying. Mm-hmm. Um, like, what they experienced was horrifying, and, like, it undid their whole lives. Like, Barney Hill, he was a ruined man after that. And then, like, you hear about, like, some of these uh, just, like, weird abductions that went on in Brazil in, like, the uh, it was, like 70s and 80s. Um, where, like, it was it was violent, almost. Um, like, people were having their skin just, like, falling off, like, intense radiation Jesus poisoning and stuff. Um, and, like, the Brazilian government, like, got involved. Like, you know how the U.S. government, um, like, they keep everything hush-hush? Yeah. It's like, you didn't see that, yada, yada, yada. The Brazilian government was like, no, we're fucking dealing with this. <laughs> they sent out the helicopters. They sent out their Air Force to, like, chase these things down. Mm-hmm. Obviously, nothing came of it. Um, but, like... They acknowledged that it happened, and like the, these things were fucking with their citizens. Um, so those are my immediate thoughts on it. <laughs> okay, okay. And are you pretty open to whatever? Then, just you don't. You're not like you're not going a specific route with it. You're allowing information to come in. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I mean, I I know I have an idea of what I would like to be the case. Sure, but like I'm just an ape on a blue-green rock, you know? I, I don't very, really know shit. With a very basic conceptualization of time and space. Yeah, I, I like loud noises. I like <laughs> marking on things with softer, you know, whatever. I, I, I don't know anything about space. If there's anything you can rabbit hole, what is it? Because this seems like... I think this is my rabbit okay. hole. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like it. I like it. I mean, you've presented me more information about extraterrestrial activity than I've heard throughout my entire We're not having a lazy Sunday today. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm 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 amped for it. I'm ready for it. I'm excited. Um speaking of aliens. No, just pivoting <laughs> off of aliens. Um oh speaking of uh Betty and Barney Betty Barney Hill. Barney Hill. Um their granddaughter, Angela Hill's a UFC fighter. For, wait, for real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she <laughs> she went on Joe Rogan and they were, you know, they had this two or three hour long discussion or whatever. And then at the end of it, after they stopped recording, she she told him, and he's a big UFO guy. Oh, yeah. So, and he, she she says, oh, by the way, my grandparents are Betty and Barney Hill. And he was like, what? So he's you having- You mention that like during yeah, what? <laughs> he's having her back on at some point and I've been waiting for that episode. Oh, um, man. Let me yeah. know when that happens. That sounds great. He's also got, um, did you uh, did you see, who, what was his name on Netflix? Um, uh, guy worked at Area Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's- I don't know what to make of him. No. Yeah, I mean, like, dude is confident. Um, I don't know. He doesn't seem to have any reason to lie, you know? It's not like he's one of those dudes that's, like, making boatloads of cash from, like, doing, like, UFO conferences. Not that there's a lot of money in doing that in the first place. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I don't know. Um, He seems to know his shit. And, like, the stuff he was talking about, like, back in the 90s, like, it's real now, you know? Yeah. Um, Like Element 115 and stuff. Yeah, exactly. Like, all of that, like... So if he's full of shit, if he's just like, you know, some creative guy that was making all this up, he's very good at it. Um, sure. And it's, it's hard to it's hard to pin down a grifter when there's no angle or you can't see the angle. Because as you said, there's not a whole lot of money to be made. Right. It doesn't seem he's like just he's just trying to do more science. Yeah. It doesn't really seem like he wants to do anything in terms of in, like speaking about aliens. It seems like it causes him more hassle than anything. Yeah, so honestly. He's like, it, it's, it's hard to see the angle. I mean, maybe there's a diabolical plot there but it's just like uh spreading disinformation yeah if he's if he is he's playing 4d chess and we're all just like playing tic-tac-toe i'm i'm happy with tic-tac-toe yeah maybe connect four you've been doing a lot of that this weekend oh yeah (laughs) yeah yeah so tell me about xenophage 
Because is that is that your primary Instagram handle? Oh, uh, Zeno Hinge. Zeno Hinge. I'm yeah, so yeah. Sorry, I'm sorry. Oh, dude, no worries. Um, just like that's some fucking dope shit that I don't know about. That's what? another <laughs> whole rabbit hole. <laughs> uh, you know, Zeno Hinge. Um, honestly, just I was looking for two cool words to mash up. Uh, that's I, I've been using that for a while. Um, and then eventually just decided to uh, make that the artist handle. Um, okay. But yeah, like as far as I know, if you look it up. Uh, it's the first thing that shows up on Google. So, like, I didn't plan that, but, like, happy accident. Hey, there um, you go. Yeah, and, like, if you do look it up, like, it's it's me, uh, my Instagram and shit, and then just, like, a bunch of sci-fi. So I'm, I'm real happy with that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, just alien henge, dude. That is, and that's your primary, like, artist handle? Do you use that as your personal page as well? Like, they're, they kind of intertwined? Um, on Instagram, yeah, pretty much. Okay, um, I love the art you've been putting up. Like, oh yeah, thank I, you. I went. I obviously we just friended each other, so I I've been scrolling <laughs> back. But I mean, you, I'm trying to think of the artist that you remind me of, like that you do. There, there was a, I can't think of his name, but there was a guy who did a lot of like pretty horrible, like or hor- horrific, like nightmarish kind of scapes. Oh yeah, uh, the Polish guy, Zdzislaw Bekczynski. Yes, yeah, yes. he's the guy. Him and then Zukalski. You can, a lot of your art really. Who that? Um, he was a sculptor, and he did drawings and paintings. There's a documentary on him on Netflix. Oh, is he the guy that he like escaped from Nazi Germany or something like that? He was uh, was he, he was, Polish? He was Polish, and there's a, there's some there's some peppered history with him because he oh. got he got really involved in the far right Polish movement of the 30s and 40s. So it was you know he has some he had some interesting thoughts on things but as an artist when you separate it it's like he's he's incredible he had this his the sculpture of a hand and the fingers are like dragons and the thumb is is fighting off the other four fingers and it's all about That's how homo sapiens are um constantly in battle with their animal nature i mean he explains it and it's phenomenal and then he had one and it was it was uh mother earth nursing two infants and one was Europe and the other was America and the breast that was nurturing Europe had two arrows in it signifying the two world wars and mm. I mean he it was unreal and then you figure out he stared at the sun as a kid so he had this not supposed big, to do that <laughs> he had this big dot in his vision where he just, just couldn't permanently see. and he's sculpting and drawing all this stuff and but anyway your art your <laughs> art reminds me a lot of this blind polish guy <laughs> well sick thanks yeah um, i haven't been as active doing visual art as i'd like to um for the past like year or so uh partly just because like when the shit hit the fan in 2020 um and just like dealing with coronavirus and um like the the looming civil war that seemed very likely um <laughs> yeah. i couldn't really focus on art or creativity uh and then i ended up getting this full-time job doing screen printing um and so that's been like really demanding my time and energy. So I've been sneaking in drawing and painting when I can. Um, doing a lot of practice, uh, just behind-the-scenes stuff that the world will never see. Just just a lot of upkeep. Yeah, sketches, um, running, training. Running scales, as it were. Yeah, honestly, yeah, it's exactly like that. I'm just doing my training montage. I got you. Um, what was your response to all of that? You know, when we uh, this time last year when everything was getting shut down, did you kind of bury yourself in work? Did you? What was your? Uh, my initial response when I first found out about it, and I feel like an asshole for saying, but I was one of those dudes being like, "It's just gonna blow over in like a week or two. Oh, I, I thought the same thing. Yeah, dude, it it didn't. Um, yeah, spoiler yeah. alert. Here we are. <laughs> um, spoiler alert. <laughs> for those of you just tuning in. Yeah, honestly. Um, whatever rock you've been under, please let me know. I would like to go there. Um, Split rent. Yeah, dude. I bet it's dirt fucking cheap. Mm. 
Um, I see what you did there. I like that. I like that a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I did that on purpose. I like that a lot. Yeah, fucking. Um, for a while, like it was honestly pretty difficult for me because like I have been grinding, grinding, grinding since like forever, and like I've definitely internalized a lot of like prosperity gospel kind of stuff, whether I'd like to or not. Um, Interesting. Yeah, just the idea that like if you're not working on something, if you're not being productive, like you are not like you're not you're not right uh the boy ain't right kind of um and like i would just feel guilty about that feel guilty for not working on shit but then like how the fuck i'm supposed to like focus on anything when like just got the world in my head right now um watched a lot of movies um a lot of sci-fi you know that's expected of me um (laughs) yeah and uh just kind of fell into a pit of despair for a while and uh did that so i ended up just like kind of going outside and learning how to more intentionally relax um without like trying to use every waking moment to like work on a project uh, like yada 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 um so that was kind of a journey for me which is uh i don't know it's weird to have to say like i had to learn how to relax um but yeah then uh, i started working um so i've been like really trying to utilize the most of my free time which is just diametrically opposed to what i was just saying mm-hmm. um yeah, so in the past, like, couple months or so, uh, I've definitely been getting back on the creative train. Um, I've just been, like, figuring out a new system. Because, like, prior to the uh, the world's end, like, I was working nights, so I would wake up and, like, I'd exercise and then pretty much immediately just, like, hop into, like, a project. Whether it be painting, drawing, working on, like, songs, uh, whatever the hell. Um, so I, I very much had, like, a pattern and a system that I was, like pretty entrenched in um so it just took me some time to like figure out a new one you know um oh excuse me (laughs) so you'll be seeing some more stuff soon hopefully um i've been slowly 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 working on a braver with my buddy hollis it's comic that we're working on um that might not be for another like two three years out um just because he's working a lot too so we do it when we can. Are y'all both kind of involved in the writing and drawing process of that? Uh, he's more writing. I'm more drawing. Okay. Um, he'll kind of inform me, like, if there's, like, a certain design or something that he, like, is looking for, a certain angle, certain, like, scenes, or, like, certain, like the way things are shot. Like, he'll be kind of a director sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but for the most part, like, I take that role on, and he does uh, the writing. Because, like, I mean, this dude went to school for, like, creative writing and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. So, like, he, he's very good at it. Um. He's really good at thinking up depressing stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, like a, a very um, a morose, um, how would I put it? Like almost like a Twin Peaks feel. Like okay. not in, in the weirdness, but in that like, that vibe where things are just like not as good as they could be. Mm. Um, God, how do I like put it? Like a melodrama? Yeah, yeah. Honestly, that melodrama, that's a better term. Like uh, like trudging along. Yes, that. Um yeah, just an embodiment of the grind in another way. Okay. Sort of. Yeah. Yeah, trudging along. Um, <laughs> yeah, honestly, his advice to me a long time ago when I was asking about like writing and stuff was like, if you want to write like good, depressing stuff, just read Russian lit. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't done that, but that's what he told me. I, um, I just recently started reading the brothers Karamazov. The hell is that? Uh, it's by Dostoevsky. It was like his last sort of big, big work. 
and it was I think it was released in a series of articles in a newspaper, but you know they just like piecemeal. Yeah, and that since then they've they've put it into a book format, and it's basically broken up into short chapters based on like how they were released as articles. But trying to get in the head of an uh, you know a nineteenth century Russian existentialist is quite the undertaking. I believe it, man. That was uh, they were living on another planet, basically. It's I mean, just the the day to day minutia of that country where you have like three months of of like Bitter. decent well three months of decent weather and then the rest is oh. just like you're gonna die at any moment <laughs> you better get warm drink vodka stay warm stay warm stay inside yeah. tend the fire sure yeah yeah i mean it's a it's a really interesting read the the book i finished right before that and i think that's why i was so interested in the alien talk was slaughterhouse five i, I finished it again i've read it a couple times yeah. but i just you know i saw it on the shelf and i was like i need to get back into reading them and read something i'm familiar with and so that's why i'm glad we had the talk at the beginning because it <laughs> it made me further question the existence of time and space yeah, as we just, understand I, it i got a lube up your journey through time and space. Sure, sure. So you're kind of talking about learning how to relax and what your response was to everything kind of shutting down. And I think that was a lot of people's experience in that what you were talking about being on that grind and feeling feeling bad or feeling, what's the word, like sort of remorseful if you weren't working on yeah, something. Just guilty. That's, that's kind of like the American archetype, right? Oh, it's yeah. like <laughs> go get them attitude, like – if you're not working, you're basically worthless in terms of our social, um, our social exchange. And I, I think there's this interesting sort of these two poles that are getting set up. There's that. And then the other one is like sort of the take a mental health day crowd. And I think this pandemic kind of synergized the two where it was like everybody kind of saw the other perspective where it's like, okay, well, you can't just take a, you know, as we're getting deeper and deeper into the pandemic, it's like, you can't just take six months of mental health days. You have to work, <laughs> but you also like, ha- you can't just work yourself out of, out of thinking about this. Exactly. So is that what you kind of came, came to was like a nice healthy balance of the two or. I like to think so. Um, like if I was, let's just say working part-time right now, instead of uh, full-time, like, I, I think for sure I would have a healthier balance. Like, I have a, um, before the pandemic, before the world ended, um, I very often use, like, working on art to kind of um, avoid just other people and avoid, like, my relationships and stuff. Um, because, like, I experience, like, intense social anxiety most of the time. Um, <laughs> checking the Rolex. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my diamond-encrusted laser Rolex. It's real big. Um, yeah, honestly, uh, it weighs my wrist I've down. I've never seen anything like it. <laughs> You're never going to see it again. Um, this is go. I'm destroying this one when I'm done with it, um, and I'm going to put on another one tomorrow. Um, such a genius. I just I like to keep people guessing, myself included. Um, but fucking, uh, God, where was I? Um, oh, if you were working part-time. Oh, yeah. Using so, um, yeah, I was using art to like kind of mask a lot of my social anxieties and stuff i would just instead of going out and like seeing my friends i would just stay in every weekend and like just work on projects and like don't get me wrong i I love doing that um like i'm happy with what i made but i've definitely like i got the opportunity to like step away from everything and kind of examine my life and the patterns that i was in um a little more objectively because like i wasn't reacting every single day um 
So yeah, like definitely like if I was working part time, if I had more time, I'd be going out more. I'd be you know seeing more people uh, more often and shit instead of just spending all of my time inside my room in my studio working on shit. Um, yeah, balance. Yeah, sure. You talked about uh, exercising and stuff, and it's it's uh, it's funny because you're the body type that makes tall, wiry guys like me really frustrated. Because you're the kind of body type <laughs> that goes to the gym one time, gets a pump on, and you get, you're just like two inches wider. Oh, and oh, like, the beach is that way. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, us wiry guys over here, like we could work out for two years and not get that kind of muscle growth because we're just not built for it. So super jealous. What do you do? What do you do in terms of your like workout? Um. You seen One Punch Man? No, I haven't. No, all yeah. right. So I'm, I'm elucidating you here. Um, so the One Punch Man workout. One Punch Man, for anybody that is unfamiliar, is uh, it's a kind of a parody anime or satirical. Um, the dude in that, he's totally bald. Um, and like his whole shtick is that like he's just the most powerful dude. He can kill anybody in one punch, and he's bored because of this. <laughs> um, like there's just no worthy challenges. Um, and his whole workout is uh, 100 sit-ups a day, 100 push-ups a day, 100 squats, um, and run a 10K every day. All just body weight? Yeah. And that's all you do? Uh, I I do, like, half of that, honestly. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You run a 10K every day? No, fuck, I hate running. Um, No, I'll do the the push-up sets, um, and I I do a lot of sit-ups and, like, leg raises. Uh, I got some, like, leg weights for that, um, which are kind of nice. I have a pull-up bar in my doorway. Uh, but because I hate running so goddamn much, I, I just got a jump rope instead. Uh, so I'll like do that for maybe five, 10 minutes. It burns more calories, honestly. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so a lot, one thing I like to do is, um, before I do the jump rope, I'll like load the bong and mm. then I'll do the jump rope, do that until I'm just exhausted. And, you know, my sides are hurt and I got a stitch in my sides, yada, yada, yada. Uh, and as I'm just gasping for breath, my body is craving oxygen. I just rip the bong instead. Um, <laughs> and it, that's a nice way to start your day. Eat a big fucking breakfast after that. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. I like it. I like, it's very, uh, very DIY. <laughs> yes. I exercise to escape my bad habits. You should, not for a goal. <laughs> here, I'll, I'll, I'll cut all that out. And then you just go and sell that workout <laughs> for like 20 bucks. This is a commercial now. Yeah. 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 No, just go and like be one of those guys. That's like, Hey, are you, are you fat and out of shape? Do you fucking hate working out? Lo- I've got the workout for you, buddy. Do you love smoking weed. This is the workout <laughs> for you. So does this, does working out seem to help you center yourself and get back into the art? That's oh, what I for found. sure. Yeah. Um, cause dude, it just, cause I like setting, or I like doing it in the beginning of the day. Um, which is a little bit harder when I'm working day job. I just do it when I get home instead. Um, but ideally I'll start my day with that and it just sets the tone for the day. Mm-hmm. Um, get something hard and difficult out of the way and then everything else seems pretty downhill. Yeah. And plus like, you know, like you're, Working out dumps the endorphins into your brain, and yeah. like so you're starting out like with a good attitude, and like you just like yeah, like you say you completed like a difficult thing, so you feel good about that, um, and like it gets your body and your mind kind of in like it's just into gear, um, mm-hmm. like you're ready to do shit now, like you just you you've shaken off the malaise, mm. um, yeah, I recommend it. Yeah, for sure. So have you felt yourself kind of as the world seems to get back to normal, even though that's a ramping up process? Is is that parallel with what you've been experiencing with your art, like getting back into the swing of things? Yeah, honestly, I think so. Um, I hadn't really uh, made the correlation prior to you just saying that, but like you're correct. Um, I think part of it is like, you know, I, I, I'm an extrovert. Um, 
I'm shy a lot and I do have my introvert moments. Like I said, I've been taking an introvert weekend. Um, mm-hmm. Well, nobody is really. It's it's a scale. You know it. it uh, the, what is the ambivert? Um, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like most people are. It's just to what degree. Yeah. And like, while I'm I'm, I'm going to go on a tangent here. Um, Please do. There's the common mistake, uh, stig- mistaken belief that like an introvert means that like you're shy and like not outgoing, and an extrovert is an outgoing person. Uh, yada yada. It's but that's wrong. Uh, what is it? The introvert just means like you get your energy by being uh, away from other people by having alone time. Extrovert is just you recharge by being around people. You can have shy extroverts and outgoing. And Yeah. All right. That's my point. Um, now, what was my other point? Um, um, the getting back to normal correlating yes. with art. All right. So, like, as somebody who I think kind of leans towards the extrovert uh, end of the scale, um, I didn't realize that, like, not going out, not seeing shows, not seeing boy, like not seeing the boys, not going to, like, the bar, or, like, just, like, seeing people, being where the people are, not having that. Uh, it just like emptied me, um, and I didn't realize how much I relied on like those interactions, um, t- to like fill my creative well, uh, and like as I'm starting to like go out and see people more, um, like I'm suddenly I'm getting ideas and shit again, mm-hmm. um, and like I'm being introduced to like more new music, and like so I'm getting more ideas from that and stuff, cause like a lot of my visual art is derived from music. I think I talked about that a lot last time I was in with you, um. Mm-hmm. Where I'll just like listen to an album, I'll set like you know I'll set the tone in my room, set the mood, put on the album, put a sketchbook in front of me, and like I'll just kind of uh, very intentionally listen to it and create to it. Um, but like it's just kind of stuck in uh, my own musical tastes for a while because I wasn't having that exposure to other people. And frankly, Spotify isn't that great at helping me find new stuff. Um, mm-hmm. They have kind of pinned me into my algorithm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It's almost like you have to intentionally break out of it, like throw them a curveball every once in a while so that they won't just pitch you the same stuff. Exactly. I have to do that intentionally. Um, fortunately for me, uh, John Ross, J.R., um, <laughs> as, we, as we call him, uh, my bass goon and also a uh, man I work with, he has very eclectic music tastes. Uh, he listens to damn near everything. Yeah. Uh, so we carpool together. Um, and like every day it's just something different and like... Sometimes it's fucking, it's weird, it's out there. Uh, so I, I'm exposed to a lot of new music through him, and I'm grateful for that. Yeah, I think that's really important, because, at, like, these these sort of applications, they market themselves as exposing you to new music. It's in terms a lie. of Spotify and Pandora, and Pandora maybe a little bit more. I haven't so, thought of Pandora in ages. But um, the, the problem with Spotify is, so j- this is just for an example, and, um, like, let's say I just found out about Meshuggah. And I want to, okay, I'm going to listen to Meshuggah Radio. It's just going to be the Lamb of God songs and the Gojira songs and the Avatar songs. and the. It's just going to be the yeah. stuff that I already listened you to. you got a pretty good idea of what the radio yeah. for that is going to be before it even starts. And maybe there's like two or three new bands in there. But if I shuffle it, the, the likelihood that I'm going to land on something that I haven't heard or a band that I'm not familiar with is pretty low. So you have to sort of... You have to be intentionally eclectic, almost like, yeah. like oh, I don't even, I don't even really listen to fill in the blank country, but I'm going to listen to some, so they start, <laughs> so it messes with the algorithm. Sometimes a little bit. they'll just pick a nation because like they'll have like international or whatever. Like, oh, that's cool. One of the genres and um, one time I was at work and I just landed on um, I think it was like Saudi Arabian something. Ooh, it's just, just a lot of like Saudi pop. Um, yeah. I mean, it, it mostly just sounds like American pop, but like with um. 
a desert flare. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, and they, it's they fun like, stuff. They, <laughs> it seems the, the interesting thing about music theory that comes out of places like that in India and stuff is like the um, like the quarter notes, or I'm sorry, not quarter notes, um, quarter the, tones, the microtones. Yeah, so they get all in between the in between the scales and stuff. Yeah, it's neat stuff. You don't expect to hear that like in like popular music, but yeah. like I mean, to them, it's just like it's casual. It's it's totally normal. You know, some of the most interesting electric guitar players right now are coming out of the Sahara Desert. Wait for real? Yeah, I'll show Wait, you some so, stuff. All right, when you say it that way, like in my head, I'm just imagining like somebody who lives like in some other country going on like a pilgrimage into the Sahara desert, like with nothing but a guitar on their back (laughs) and like they disappear for, you know, like a couple months to like a couple years and they come out all like decked out in like robes. They got their still suit on. Uh, Oh God, Dune. Um, Yeah. They got their (laughs) fucking still suit on and like, they got like the spice madness and it's like, I can play now. (laughs) Typically it's locals. Really? Yeah. But if you want to, I mean, I think they're open to the idea of you going there. All right. Well, gonna save up that's my next vacation you're gonna have to gonna save disappear up into the sahara guitar strings and sunscreen indeed yeah well no see so you go into the desert to find like the mystical guitar strings that are just for you it's like a kyber crystal for a lightsaber mm. where like it's already there and it's it's yours mm. like through thousands of years of causality it was determined that it was yours you know millions of years before you were born and you, you will just find each other Interesting. And those are your guitar strings, and hopefully you'll never have to change them again. And what does that say for predestination? Um, oh, God. Um, or I guess just I'm, like I'm, cosmic entwinedness. I'm taking the, uh, the the Sarah Connor route. Um, I'm carving it into this table here with a big old Bowie knife. Uh, the, the future is not set. There's no fate for what we make for ourselves. Interesting. So you're not a predeterministic kind of I guy. don't want to think so. Um, I desperately, desperately don't want to believe in predetermination. Um because I like the idea of having free will, but like every once in a while, there are just like weird little synchronicities that make me go like, "What?" You know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's yeah, it's, it's a bizarre thing. Serendipity is a real thing. I, I, one thing that I'm really interested in is when you take these extremely complex ideas of the universe and you start applying them to like what philosophers think about them inevitably you find two equally smart philosophers that disagree on it so it's like okay well <laughs> whatever you want to believe <laughs> shit <laughs> yeah where are you at right now with music um before you go on your sahara desert extravaganza <laughs> all right yeah um oh god sahara it's all it's just consuming my mind now it's just a holdover from dune honestly um <laughs> yeah uh music right now um Doing a lot of practicing and stuff. Um, I've spent a lot of the past year um, inside, just kind of like learning scales and theory, things that I should have learned a long time ago, but uh, shied away from. Um, because I just thought years ago, I thought it was too esoteric. I saw like a scale chart, is like nah. Yeah, um, yeah. And uh, recently, I had the realization, I had the epiphany that like, wait a minute, if I can memorize like where every item is in fucking Dark Souls. And like run through that world like it's nothing. Like I can memorize some scales. Mm-hmm. Uh, so like I've been doing a lot of that, just like rote memorization, um, similar to drawing. Just kind of like taking a step back from trying to like create visions um, and just like kind of learning more foundational stuff that I can apply to everything. That said, uh, also recording an album. Um, so still seeing visions. Um, yeah, so that's a Night Squatch album. Um, that is. I want to say probably like 
70 or 80 percent done we finished most of the tracking nice. um we're putting out a split with um oh shit hold on let me look up this band again um boop, 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 boop. yeah we're putting out a split with another band um pretty soon um because they hit us up a while ago and uh, we were already recording this album so it just kind of worked out um oh my god i'm almost there Come on, come on. Servants of the Mist. Interesting. Um, yeah, so we're excited to hear what they come up with. Um, we're putting totality on it for our song. Um, Reach doing one song each. I think they also write long music or long, long songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be like a real thrashy affair about uh, the eclipse and reptilians. Okay. Um, and is this going to go on a hard copy thing? or? I'd love for it to. I don't know. Um I want to say that they are working through um, an indie label, so they might make some hard copies, but I really okay. couldn't tell you. Okay. You're just co-releasing something. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, I'm doing the album art for that. Um, here, I let me <laughs> show you that. Actually. Oh yeah, if you if you um if you send it or where wherever it's lives on the internet, I can put the link in. Oh, sick! Oh my god, I, I didn't prepare any of this. I didn't prepare. That's okay. <laughs> this is what you tune in to a podcast for is the dead air. Honestly. It's nice and soothing and puts you to bed and then we come back and yeah, really you can loud. look at this now. I'll yeah, yeah, yeah. in a minute. Oh, that's awesome. I like the buster sword. <laughs> Hell yeah, It man. almost looks like assless seem, chaps. That, that, it's just ass. It's okay. all ass, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. I like yeah, that. Nice squatch is thick. I like the, uh, yeah, yeah. I like the, I like the submachine guns. Of course. That's awesome, dude. Hell yeah. So yeah, that's uh, coming out in an unspecified date in the future. Um, and you're working on your own personal album as well? Uh, it's a Night Squatch album. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, wait. I'm sorry. So that's a co-release, one song each, and but you're also working on an album yeah, separately. Yeah, full length. Okay. All right. um, yeah, that's um, two songs from the EP, um, The Tower and uh, Misanthropocene Sword. Um, and then three other ones, it's, um, it's like just over an hour of music. Uh, so we're pretty jazzed about that. Uh, we're playing a show on June 5th at Two Tides also. Awesome. Um, that's my plug for the day. Um, Keep plugging them, man. We, so far we got 60 Minutes, we got, uh, Hollis, we got JR. <laughs> yeah, I want to give a nice shout watch. out to 60 Minutes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, interesting, Aliens, he's got a plug for... Somebody knows it is sixty minutes. I was like, oh, uh, shit, uh, Jake's connected. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I got I got guys in the CIA, the FBI, the NSA, <laughs> the, the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm connected indeed. Yeah. I'm, I've got my fingers in many pies. So what's the what's the next step after you release this split? After you release the album? No clue yet. Honestly, um, far too soon to say. Um, just kind of taking it one day at a time, just seeing how the world is opening up again and what have you. Um, kind of want to take a break and make some black metal for a while. Okay. Uh, something a little bit simpler, you know, mm-hmm. um, I can almost do it on my own. Almost. I don't quite want to. I like working with other people. Um, cause like, I just, I, I like getting other people's creative input and like their ideas to change, like what I'm coming up with and like everything that I've ever worked on, everything that I've ever written, has been improved by having somebody else come in and like add their own little bit to it. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I'm trying to think of any music that I've ever written that that was not the case, and I can't. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I definitely don't want to be doing like a solo project or nothing. Uh, but definitely, I'm gonna take a break from prog rock and start focusing on something uh, a little bit more visceral. Okay. Visceral meaning like accessible. No, like you listen to much black metal. Uh, can't say that I, do. I listen to like Behemoth. Yeah, all right. Honestly, you got a pretty good idea right there. Um, yeah, just something a little more violent than what I'm doing right now. Um, like tonally violent. Um, simpler rhythms to a degree. I like doing noodles. Um, yeah, just like kind of getting sw- swimming in the genre. One one thing I'm always confused about with black metal in terms of the stuff that I have been exposed to is it seems like the recording quality is always pretty bad. Yeah. And my my <laughs> friend has told me that that's to avoid being labeled as a sellout. But then I listen to a band like Behemoth, and it's like they're extremely well produced, like especially their later albums. Yeah, like what's the last one is like um, wasn't the uh, Satanist some, was something it? Satan? <laughs> yeah, it might have just been the Satanist. Um, yeah, and it was, but it's it sounds like a really well-produced metal album. And it's like, I, are they sellouts? Cause I thought they were, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not, uh, I don't know the, the lore. It definitely used to be kind of a genre standard, uh, back when it was like, you know, a bunch of like dudes in Norway. Um, I had to really struggle not to say Norwegia right then. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like when it was just a bunch of like dudes who would like work at record stores in Norway, uh, and they were like creating, you know, like very DIY black metal. And like when the genre was fresh, yeah, that was definitely a thing. Like it had to have like shit production value to like show your, you know, the, the, the DIY aesthetic um, and to not be a sellout. That's definitely like an aspect of it that they were going into. Um, I think there was also, I don't know, like some of these people had almost like some spiritual beliefs with it. Like the dude um, dead in mayhem. Um who's their singer, that dude thought he was fucking dead. Um, there's, mm. So this is mental illness where you believe you are a corpse, do you believe you are dead. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's a real mind fuck. Um, and, like, as far as I know, it doesn't cause any actual, like, physical manifestations of that on your body. Like uh, decomp or anything like right. that. Right. Um, you just think you're dead. Like, That's... in the same way that, like, you ever hear of, like, those cases where, like, Somebody will um, just very suddenly, for no reason, like stop recognizing like their spouse or something like that. Yeah, it's, it's similar to that. I think like it's kind of dysmorphia. Interesting. Um, that's that's such a strange one because it's like opposed to some other mental illnesses. That one seems like pretty easy to to authenticate. It's like no, it's I mean like, here's here's you're here. <laughs> here's your EKG. Your heart is beating. You you made it to my office. You're <laughs> alive. Um, God, but yeah, this dude would fucking like before shows. He would bury himself alive um, just to, like, God. get into the mindset of, like, being a corpse. He, like, wanted his flesh to be, like, clammy and cold. Like, he invented the corpse paint to be more corpse-like. Oh, okay. Um, and so I think, like, kind of those sentiments made it into the production quality. I think also maybe they just didn't care. Uh, they were flying by the seat of their pants. They were probably pretty fucking drunk the whole time. Um <laughs> being from norway yeah and i mean like they didn't have a lot of money uh yeah. they they were just a bunch of kids you know sure um but yeah then like you got the bigger bands like behemoth and um gorgoroth is a one of my favorite examples uh they have this one album it's not on spotify you can only get it on youtube i it's a bunch of latin i forget what it, it's like ad majorum something mm-hmm. um production value and that is fucking great um 
And it was sort of in direct opposition to that because like people were calling them out and be like, your production value is like, it's getting a little too good. Like, are you guys posers? Like people were questioning them. It's like, that's bullshit. They're fucking Gorgoroth, dude. Of course they're not posers. And right. so they were just like, you know what? Fuck all you guys. We're going to like produce the hell out of this and it's going to be amazing and you're going to love it anyway. And they produced like one of the best black metal albums ever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So like I, it's, it's changing and I'm glad, uh, but I do also, I like the lo-fi aspect of it too. Like it, I don't know. It just gives it a quality that you don't find in a lot of other music these days mm-hmm. um, because everything is like very tightly produced unless it is like a DIY, like you're on band camp, like that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so it offers, I don't know, just a different experience, different vibe, mm-hmm. um, especially like with metal. So much of metal is overproduced. Um, you just have like drum samples and like totally digital guitar tones and all of that. It's like, nah, not this time. Yeah. I One of the things that I find really fascinating with this new obsession with like things labeled as lo-fi so like lo-fi study beats is like a big thing i love that so much but it's so funny to me because it's like it's marketed as lo-fi but really it's high fidelity they just they just go in and they kind of eq stuff to death or they they bit crush something that you know is like it's it's interesting it's like (laughs) it's like high fidelity and then they just reverse engineer it they yeah they just they just make it lo-fi instead of you know starting with lo-fi stuff and i don't know it's just interesting to me i mean i think a lot of that um because like a lot of it is just purely digital but like so much of it like they'll sample like their own instruments you know they'll just record that shit in their room they'll pull out their guitar record that one little like riff with like two chords that they repeat for the entire song and like Mm -hmm. i guess that counts as lo-fi i don't know yeah right frankly i don't know a ton about music production so yeah 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 well to get back to the to the lo-fi aspect of black metal what do you (laughs) do you do you hear yourself going and like more of a like that that typical production quality or more towards like the Gorgoroth album you're saying um like what what would you prefer it's a good question um i feel like i would prefer to do it um you know better quality take more time doing it but at the same time like i also know my personality um i had to be uh, 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 corralled into recording this Night Squatch album the way where you're, you're recording it because I am as far as recording stuff goes as far as music goes um, like technical minutia is not where my head is at I don't think that way um, so like I might just do it flying by the seat of my pants um, you know like get like a task cam record shitty uh, something bam put it up on Bandcamp as a demo but I also, I do feel like bigger releases, like an EP or especially an album, I mean, you're going to want higher quality for that regardless. Because, like, you're putting that much effort into it. Uh, you should, you know, make sure that you can feel that, you can hear that, that, like, that comes through. So, like, maybe just to get your feet wet, start with that low fidelity kind of stuff and then yeah. as to see what kind of traction you can get. Exactly. Okay. Um, I feel like... For me, also, like, a big part of why I enjoy doing music is more for the uh, the live aspect of it and playing shows. Uh, recording things, to me, is almost more of an afterthought. Yeah. Like, it's it's there to immortalize it, to make sure that it doesn't just, like, disappear ethereally into, you know, nothingness when the band is over. There's always something there that you can go back on. Um, but, like, I've, I've 
really just trying to fucking create a cool experience live, I think, sure. is uh, mostly where my head is at. Th- but if you ask me again next week, that answer could be totally <laughs> different. Well, and um, I, I get the sense that you're kind of like me in this way, is that while putting something on the record does immortalize it, it's almost the the drawback to that is that I may want to change it. Oh yeah, <laughs> I've grown. I want something else now. Yeah, exactly. Like I feel like you will agree, but like songs that we write or that I write, at least, um, it's almost like a living organism. Yeah. Like it's always changing, it's always evolving, and it's adapting. And like as you learn more stuff, you're like, oh shit! Like that little bit there, that could be done better. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't matter how long I've sat with a song. If I focus on it, I'll always find something that I want to change. And eventually it becomes like less and less. It's like the the higher up the mountain you go, the harder it is. Yeah, you get so diminishing like the, returns. The, yeah, the harder it is to like narrow stuff down. But I'll narrow it down to the 32nd note, the 64th note, the 128th <laughs> note. Like I just, I'll, I can keep going. And I think that just speaks to maybe not all artists, but a lot of artists in that we have this drive to do something. We have this drive to create. We have this drive to make people feel a specific way about something. And the return on that is never being satisfied. No good artist was ever satisfied. Oh, true. <laughs> you know, true, like, true, 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 let's true. just, let's <laughs> just take uh, any example, Rembrandt, Van Gogh, whoever, they didn't just paint something in there. Like, God, yes. <laughs> I fucking rule. <laughs> I now, I'm, cause if they did, they'd walk away. They'd be like, I did never it. hear I about fuck, him. You know, uh, Leonardo would have painted The Last Supper and been like, okay. <laughs> Nobody can now. ever do better. Bye. <laughs> or, you know, Michelangelo in the Sistine Chapel ceiling. Oh, my God. Yeah, if he just called it a day after that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, why didn't he? It was amazing. And it's because he's a broken person. <laughs> Despite having, you know, the skills of every... We were, we were talking um, at Mood Rights. Yeah. And you were talking about learning from the masters oh, like yeah. you didn't you didn't want to take anything from anybody who wasn't a master who are so who are the people you look to um i mean like you already uh listed you know one of them uh, beksinski uh definitely i would say probably my biggest influence or at least in this quarter of my life definitely my biggest influence um, like hr geiger like as far as the dark stuff goes uh you got like francisco goya um mm. who I don't know, he's got a very expressive style, especially for back then, but I mean, he was a fucking lunatic. Like, you mm-hmm. know that uh, that one painting, Saturn Eating His Young? Yes. Um, yeah, the very oh, recognizable oh, painting. Oh, I just saw it in my head. Oh, <laughs> so he uh, he painted that on his wall in his, like, shitty apartment. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, this dude lived in, like, you know, the slums somewhere, uh, and he died, and uh, some people, like, I don't know how long he was dead in his apartment, but uh, eventually, like, some people went in there just to, like, clear it out for whoever had to live there next and uh it's just all dark and they just saw that painted straight onto the wall uh it's like yeah that that he was an expressive guy um do you know yeah. how they reproduced it no idea oh, okay. uh, honestly i would guess they probably just removed that section of wall yeah yeah i they wouldn't <laughs> good luck getting a tenant in there after that <laughs> can you imagine <laughs> Is uh, we have to inform you, the last guy that lived here lost his fucking mind. Mm-hmm. Um, they would have walked him in there. They would have seen that painting. They'd be like, <laughs> just uh, you know, the law states that we have to tell you somebody has died in here within the f- past five years. They're like, fuck that. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> Why is there a hole in the wall? You don't want to know, sir. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and uh, there's also like the whole era of artists. I couldn't give you a specific name of them. Um, 
God, what was the style called? Um, it might have just been like romantic art, but like when um when Westward Expansion was like a big thing, mm. and America was like really caught up in like Manifest Destiny, and there was like that whole rash of like these paintings of like beautiful landscapes, like like American fucking landscapes. Hudson School. Say again. Hudson School. Hudson School. Is that what it is? The Hudson School. Yeah, it's all the landscape painters. They they moved out of New York and they went to like the Catskills and stuff. Yeah. And they um. Um, I think that I, th- I know it's like, the, I'm pretty sure that's it because people started going out to the West. They would paint what they saw. They'd come back to the cities and they would put these paintings up in theaters and people would just pay to go sit in the theater and look at these paintings of the West. Uh, oh yeah. I'm looking at this now. This is exactly what, yeah, this is that. And like, I, I love that so much. It's almost like, it's, it's like mythical in a way it's mm-hmm. like Elysium, but like, it's just the American West. Um, it's, it's so interesting how art evolves in terms of not only the people producing it, but the people consuming it. Because for a long time before that, if you had like landscapes on your wall, it would be tacky. Like in England or, well, in, I mean, in England, it had expanded so much before people coming over to America. There was no countryside, really. Like yeah, every, they don't have every, like crazy yeah. like geological formations right. for the most part. Every, they have like one or two. Yeah, like Cliffs of Dover and name another one. I dare you. Any, but so uh. as, as, <laughs> as we, you know, people move into America and there's all this beauty out West and people are painting it. Now you're taking portraits off the walls and you're putting up these landscapes of like, you know, Yosemite and Glacier National Park it wasn't a national park at the time and like all these different places and it's just interesting how art evolves and how tastes change and it's almost like everything is chance it's just you just happen to be painting the right thing and then the mass populace starts consuming it yeah the zeitgeist just kind of captures right. it and maybe you know when you when you move to this black metal album <laughs> all of the sudden the pop culture landscape of america just changes because of whatever and uh, like, dude you're putting a lot of pressure on my black metal <laughs> output you have to produce it fuck 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 you gotta be the next gorger <laughs> oh buddy i'll help you out with the latin part all right done <laughs> was that the language you took in high school i did for eight years and you know what Ask me a qu- Ask me anything. I won't know it. <laughs> mm. Plu perfect. I know that was a tense. What the hell is that? It's one of the tenses. <laughs> I think it was Ebus. I'm slightly more learned now. <laughs> no, honestly, I think in terms of this this social exchange, you've been much more informative to me than I have been to you. Every day's a school day. Now pay up. I did get Hudson School though, so I'm happy with yeah, that. Yeah, you did. Now, honestly, most of the Latin I know is uh, from Warhammer 40k, um, mm. which I've I've ranted about that briefly with you before. Um, but in that sci-fi universe, like the Imperium of Man, they speak a language. It's high Gothic. That's what they call it, but it's just Latin. Oh, okay. Um, so like anytime they're like describing some kind of like ceremonial something and everything is fucking ceremonial in the, ceremonial in this universe. <laughs> um, like even, do you like, even the, there's, there's like mechs, you know, like mecha, yeah. uh, like big old like battle mechs, robots and what have you. And like, even these are just like walking cathedrals with guns on them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's crazy. Um, very like space Catholic. Um, <laughs> I like the idea of you know you talk about high gothic and cathedrals, but it's it's so uh, conceptually close to what actually happened after the fall of the Roman Empire, you know, because people they don't call it the Dark Ages anymore because there were actual advances advances in terms of science and literature and yeah. math and all this stuff. Um, but it's so funny that you know the the turn turn 
towards religion and Christ. And that's what a lot of the art was. And I just like the idea that simultaneously they can come up with these scientific advancements at the same, because that was kind of the thing is the exchange was a focus on the church and less of a focus on advancing civilization. Though it was happening, it just was like at a diminished rate. Absolute so snail's pace. I like the idea of like we keep the Latin, we keep the cathedrals. <laughs> now we put, we just put laser beams on everything. Hell yeah, hell yeah. It's a uh, it's an interesting sci-fi universe. It borrows a lot from like Dune and Foundation and stuff. Um, and like part of the reason for what you're mentioning actually, um, it's like even technology has been like made religious in this universe. Um, kind of similar to Dune. Like there's no more advancement of technology mm. um, because. In the past, I bear in mind this universe is uh, the year forty thousand. Um, so, like uh, ten thousand years prior to like that setting, which is still our far future, uh, there was just basically the war against AI, that sci-fi trope. Mm. So they outlawed a lot of technology after that. So they've just been stagnating for tens of thousands of years. Like they've been using the same spaceships for that entire time and having to maintain them. And like a lot of like um, just the concepts of maintenance and like. Just, like, basic maintenance, like, just, like, tightening a lug nut or, like, swapping out some parts. Like, that has been given religious significance and has been ritualized to the point that, like, in order to, like, change the oil in, like, a tank or something, you have to have, like, tech priests in there, like, anointing oils all over the whole thing and, like, reading prayers and what have you. And you have to have, like, like an ordained priest change the oil. That's, this is a wild universe. It's, it's huge, man. It's is it constantly building? Oh yeah, totally. It's still going on. Um, like there's at least is it, there's enough written material I would say to rival Star Wars at the very wow. least, if not more so. Because um, the whole thing is uh, based on like a tabletop game, and that started in like the mid '80s or so, and so they've just been updating it the entire time. And, like, as they've been able to make, like, better miniatures and shit, um, they've just been putting out more lore and mm. more what have you. And, like, there's all kinds of novels. They just they, they just soak up writers like a sponge. Like, any uh, aspiring sci-fi writer, they could probably get some work doing that, even if it's just, like, writing little blurbs or what have you. <laughs> they're, like, they're like Apple of – or Google of sci-fi. Yeah, honestly. <laughs> and, like, the art – uh, that they produce as well. Like they've got a lot of in-house artists and they'll uh, commission a lot of other artists as well. And like, this shit is fucking crazy. It's so cool. Um, it's just a very interesting sci-fi aesthetic. Um, like if you think of like Starcraft or something very similar, um, for legal reasons, they're slightly different. Um, <laughs> Blizzard actually kind of ripped off um, a lot of games workshop stuff because they were going to make, a 40k game back mm. in the 90s before they made Starcraft, mm. um, and then at the last minute, like Games Workshop backed out of the contract, uh, so they just kind of did like some palette swaps and like, well, we got Starcraft now. Hey, it's purple. It's not yeah. blue. Yeah, the shoulder pads are a little bit smaller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you look at the dimensions, it's clearly different. Yeah, it's kind of like when you li- you lift chords from a song, but you make one of them a seventh. Ah, uh, yes, of course. <laughs> it's different. You like, can hear the difference. Yeah, I have six notes that are different. Totally different. So, I like to I like to say that you're talking about Blizzard, and you know, one of the fascinations. I think it's it's dwindling now, but one of the fascinations of the past couple years was like MOBAs, like Overwatch and stuff. I like to say that chess was the original MOBA. Oh, (laughs) haven't thought of it that way, but not entirely off the mark. Uh, There's all these (laughs) there's all these uh, there's all these hills that I'm gonna die on for like low rent 
philosophy. Like <laughs> that's one the original them. MOBA. School buses or limousines, you know. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Uh Oh, <laughs> check my, for like laser you, sights. Honestly, uh, <laughs> we're in danger now. You, you're saying things that they don't want the people to know. I, know. I know, I know. I'm real, uh, real controversial. No, the this people is, have a right to know. This is all my Lenny Bruce stuff. <laughs> well, challenging the status quo. <laughs> While we're blowing minds right now, um, I'm just gonna whip it out real quick. Uh, your bones are wet. Anyway, moving on. Um, <laughs> I like it. That's all the time. <laughs> that's something I never thought of. Because all you see is dry bones. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think the first actual tool was? Like, first tool? Do you think it was... Because like in... Um, well, um, Thinking about 2001? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, <laughs> yeah, it was a femur. Yeah. Honestly, that's probably not too far off the mark. Maybe like a jaw or something. Yeah. Um, especially because like a jaw's got like teeth in it. Like That's mm. almost like... That's more of a weapon in a way, um, but I don't know if I would uh, grant early hominids that level of uh, sophisticated thought. I think if they can get their hands around it and smash it's, something yeah, with yeah, it, yeah, yeah, good enough. It'll do the job. Sure, sure. Maybe a rock. I don't know. Yeah. Um, I like to, th- I like to think that the you know early hominids, like the people that probably advanced the quickest off the bat, were people uh, adjacent to water. Oh yeah, like no doubt. oceans and stuff. Because you have you have an abundance of resources. You just have to figure out how to eat them. Yeah. So like it encourages creative thought. Yeah, and you can get your nutrition without having to to cook a lot. You know, like fish are you can just kind of eat them. Yeah, you don't you even want need to. to put a ton of effort into fishing. No. Like if you're in like a plentiful spot, you just cast a line or like get a spear, go into a, a, a shoal, and mm-hmm. you got a couple. You know, it's yeah. it's it's a, a less or it is, it is a more energy efficient way to sure. get some calories. Um, Sam got me really into Survivor when during the <laughs> pandemic. I just you know, I, she baited me in and I got into it. But one of the things I was rooting I for Jarvis that first season, <laughs> years and years and years ago. He actually he came back. Wait for real? Yeah, like like twenty years later or something. Yeah, yeah. He Damn. Came, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he so. But one of the things that blew my mind, I think they were in like Micronesia or something. And this guy, uh, like the beaches are pretty steady out there yeah. eventually there's a drop off but you can walk between a lot of these islands and stuff and this one guy is just like waist deep in water and he pulls up a giant clam and he just walks it back and he's like hey guys i found a clam i was like <laughs> holy shit you could just do that like it's a, like it was like a like a tomato or something on a vine he's just like, hey i found it like, holy shit Bad. that's easier than i thought yeah man i thought you had to like dive and be able to hold your breath for like six minutes or whatever i I do there are people that do that too that's that's insane the ocean is the world's refrigerator for sure for sure um i wanted to we we touched on 2001 you were talking about consuming a lot of film at the beginning of the pandemic what were some of the what were some of the what were some of your favorites oh um here let me uh uh, back up for a minute here um rewind as it's Got a God. A lot of that is a blur. Um, I was partly because I was smoking a ton of weed. Yeah. Um, I was doing my part. I was doing my duty to America. I was staying in smoking weed. Um, yeah, but also just like this is a stressful time. Um, yeah, like the void. Loved that. Um, I think the one that really stands out the most to me is uh, the color out of space. I haven't heard of that. Okay, so uh, it's based on a Lovecraft story. Uh, short okay. story. Uh, same name. Um, and the movie has Nicolas Cage in it, um, just 
doing his thing. Um, you ever see Annihilation? No. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, it, 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 it was inspired by the color out of space. Um, okay. Trying to think of any other examples. No. All right. So you just have to bear with me here. I got you. All right. So basically, it's, it's uh, the, the family. They live in a farm kind of in the middle of nowhere. Um, and a meteor crash lands just in on their property. Uh, inside the meteor was something. Uh, it was described as like a sickly color that nobody had ever seen before. Um, and it just like seeped into the land, into the dirt. Um, nice. And so over the course of, I don't know, a couple weeks, a couple months, who knows, uh, shit just starts getting weird, you know, like really otherworldly. Um, the trees seem to have like a mind of their own in a way they're swaying in a way that is not with the wind. Mm. Um, the water supply is getting like strange. People are acting weird. Uh, animals are disappearing or like mutating. Um, very, it's just otherworldly. And uh, I don't know. It's it's hard to describe. It's indescribable in that way that Lovecraft tries to do. And the movie does a really good job of dealing with that of like, it definitely shows, um, as opposed to just telling, um, it, it shows you a lot of weird shit, but like, no, not a, it's, um, I just, this, this is one scene that I, I can't get out of my head. It's harrowing as hell. Um, like I've read the movie or I've, I've read the story before. I've read the story several times over the course of my life. So I knew what was happening. I saw it all coming, uh, but they made a few changes and like that just upped the intensity of the entire thing. Cause like the short story, it's pretty tame. Um, you read a lot of Lovecraft? I know that he doesn't like describing things directly. Yeah. Like, he never actually gives you the description of, like, Cthulhu. Yeah, it's, so, like, there's that aspect. But also, like, uh, because of that, a lot of stories are pretty uh, short, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, it, it just leaves a lot of room to interpret it, and, like, this interpretation is just, like, fucking wild. Uh, and this thing that they do that is not in the story, uh, just like from that point in the film until the end, my jaw was just dangling. Um, edge of my seat, like I had to fucking take a shower after this was over. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, it's it's a very intense movie. Um, while not being... Um, God, how do I put it? Uh, 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 um it's not like sickly, you know, it's not like, like Gorn or mm-hmm. anything, yeah, yeah. but it's still like unbelievably intense in like a very disturbing way. Um, yeah, just, I highly recommend it. Pretty well, psychedelic too. Just out of your description, I just thought of like five or six things that I thought of that pull from that. Like I, I read the book before Slaughterhouse Five, I read, uh, the Deus Machine. I don't know if you're familiar. Not. Um, but you know, similar sort of thing. There's like a, a code and a bio compiler kind of get mixed in and it makes this thing, this bug that eventually lands in Oregon. And then that thing becomes a lot of things. And then the trees start changing. The strawberries become poisonous. And, you know, so, yeah. so I, that, and then, um, men in black. Oh, <laughs> like, hell yeah. yeah. So just so many things are just <laughs> like, Oh, so everybody's ripping this off. Yeah. No Lovecraft. Uh, he started a lot, man. Um, and like, it's, it's cool to me that like, he is gaining a lot of this, uh, like more just mainstream zeitgeist kind of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like that, it's got a lot of cool shit, a lot of, uh, cool themes to draw from and like a lot of just interesting ideas and like 
creatures and uh, settings and just like story ideas and what have you. And so like, I'm excited to see what other creators are creating that are inspired by him. Um, Mm -hmm. Now that like, I think technology is kind of catching up. We can sort of depict a lot of these things uh, a little better now. Um, And like also just sort of film uh, sensibilities. Um, And uh, God, what's the word I'm trying to think of? Um, 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 just like philosophies in filmmaking have kind of caught up and are like able to kind of depict this. Everything's um, kind of hitting a, a real high watermark. Yeah, exactly. Like the base level of like skill of like a professional movie maker is now at this point where we can like start like approaching these weirder, more abstract concepts that like we weren't necessarily able to do in like, let's say like the nineties. Yeah, sure. Like I, I would never fucking expect like, like, Stephen King or Lovecraft, uh, both of them, because they're very similar. I'm going to use them both as an example. Um, like the weirder aspects of it, mm. um, you couldn't see that in like the Tim Curry one, because like right. the tech just wasn't quite there, and like yeah. the, even just like the um, the makeup, mm-hmm. like abilities, like it, the materials weren't quite there, and like it, they couldn't create like the same kind of like moving lifelike like mask or whatever, like it. it there was a certain level of hokiness that just could not be overcome because of the time that it was being made in. Sure. Um, and so like now in like the 2016 it, there's all this like weird shit, like more of the, like the, the unknown, like Lovecraftian elements from these, uh, from the book. Like you can put that in there now. Like you can give people that strange feeling of like a space subtly morphing, um, that you couldn't necessarily do before. Um, the scene that like really sticks out to me right now is uh, the one. Uh, did you see like either of them or read the book? I suppose it no. Okay, so there's a scene where uh, one character is like visiting her old home, um, and her family is dead. Uh, there's an old woman living in there now, and over the course of the scene, like this old woman becomes more and more like haggard and like goblin esque, mm-hmm. and like the space becomes just like older and more decrepit as she's in there. Like it, it's it's a it's a manifestation. It's like a psychic manifestation or projection rather. Right. Um, and like that kind of thing would just be so much more difficult to convincingly do even 20 years ago. Right. Um, so yeah, I'm just filmmaking is there now. I think, yeah. And I, I like how you're kind of describing cause the technology is there. The, 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 um, and the knowledge of how to use the technology. Sure. Sure. And just the level of skill in the craft, not only from directing, but acting and, uh, producing like it's all and then just as you were saying and we were kind of touching on earlier public consumption wants it yes which so everything's kind of hit this like this perfect nexus point where it's all possible because you know i mean if you take away any one of those things it doesn't work if the technology is not there but the skill and the public consumption are there well it's going to be cheesy and yeah, like somebody months. will like that, but right. like it's not going to be what you're trying to do. Right, right. It's, I just find it interesting because I'll look back uh, like films made in the mid, early to mid two thousands. The CGI is it's garbage. horrible. But anything within the past, like I, I'll, I'll get blown away remembering like, oh shit, that did come out in like 2012 or 2013, and it it looks great. Yeah, it's not bad. Um, unfortunately the drawback for that is like if if you do have a a film with like a lot of practical effects and you do throw in a cgi effect it does stick it out like a, out. Yeah. like uh mad max fury road oh. the one of the only cgi 
effects they did was when the the car hit the trench and then like flipped and they, you could tell yeah it was just like just the physicality of it wasn't there and like the film is just full of practical effects so i mean that was like, an achievement but oh my god what a gorgeous movie not only just like amazing but just like so well shot and you know you're speaking of just everything kind of being there and that was one of those films that exactly was like, i think it set the tone for a lot of things to come yeah i mean honestly i think uh fury road is like a prime example of like kind of what we're talking about where like um like people have been using stunt cars and like crazy like basically demolition derby shit for years i mean there's other mad max films to prove that but like the camera techniques hadn't been developed yet and like they might have even had like access to some of that equipment back then, uh, but they just didn't realize like, oh fuck, I can use it that way. Right. It took other directors like exploring this medium to like figure out how you can use some of this stuff just to get like the effects and the aesthetics and like be able to convey the moods that we do. Mm-hmm. Or like, um, I, I don't know what the name of the type of shot is, but like you know where um, there's like something in the foreground, and mm-hmm. suddenly um, it like recedes like the it feels like the world is becoming longer oh so what's in the background becomes focused and the foreground becomes yeah. unfocused yeah i know what you're talking yeah so like the, that wasn't always a thing you know no, no. like and like even just a shot like that that could be achieved with any camera that has a zoom right um like that was unheard of to uh, in a certain age and like once somebody did that for the first time it's like oh fuck this changes everything right right it, i think what kind of th- made me think of it put it in the forefront of my mind was when you're talking about Warhammer and how there's this like <laughs> this like worship of the of the you know the 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 uh, the technology yeah. because you know these guys are like worshiping the god V8 and the, like <laughs> chrome is their color and like all this crazy shit and that's kind of what spawn and one of the things that another thing that it got me thinking about I wanted to ask you this so you you take something like we're talking about the the course of technology and then yeah. you know if you take something basic like moore's law which is just that like processing power doubles every 18 months i think is the i could be wrong I it, think, it's that's the gist of it yeah um do we hit do we hit a point where we we can't go any further like is that is or like is there a whether it's by like physical circumstances or just i don't i don't you know because one of I, I say that to say this because one of the interesting things that you were talking about in Warhammer was that they cut themselves off from certain technological advancements, which, I mean, the people, they're people in this, right? Yeah. It's, that's interesting because, so before World War I, they, they had this thing called the Hague Conference, yeah. where Russia was basically trying to level the playing field and say like, hey, we're not going to use any of these weapons because we don't have them, basically. Yeah, so we don't want you guys to either. Right, so well, it, like, you're... you're that was a really interesting point in history because I think it proved that you cannot limit innovation, even if somebody's going to do it. Even if you go through, if you try to go through like the legal streams, like somebody is going to invent their way around it or what have you. So if you like, let's say creating AI is illegal, it's going to happen. And so I just I because of because I believe you can't put a you can't put any restrictions on technology in terms of humans creating, like you can't, you can't uh, restrict our inhibition or you can't restrict our, our ingenuity. Right. Is there a physical limitation? Um, I've had that thought before and it honestly scares the shit out of me. Um, 
I don't know. Like I, I'm, I'm not a man of science. I'm not wearing a lab coat. I might have glasses on, but like I'm, I'm not a scientist. Um, <laughs> Had me fooled. It's, I'm deep undercover. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like physics is a bitch sometimes, but I feel like there's always a workaround. Um, this is coming from very much a layman. Um, but like. I think if there are limits, hard-coded limits, it's more hard-coded in our own minds, just like our brains, whatever cognitive architecture, the physical architecture of our brains are, will not allow us to, like, even conceive of these other options. It's kind of like trying like, imagine a color you've never seen before, you know? They're out there. Right. Like, the infrared spectrum is a thing. Other animals can see it. We can't. Right. We can make an approximation with technology, but that's still just translating it to colors that we've seen. Sure. Um... So I, I think if there is a limit, it's purely internal. Um, but, like, I've had similar thoughts about, like, let's just say space travel um, and, like, overcoming the speed of light. I don't know if we could do that, man. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm stuck in the 21st century. I'm not a math person. I paint pretty pictures. Um, but, like, general relativity seems to make it pretty clear that, like, we can't make it to light speed or especially not past it. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, anything with mass, um, we can get up there, we can get close, but like that'll kill a motherfucker. Sure. Um, I, I was, I was talking to a very intelligent person one time who, who put it to me this way. And I, I would say not quite Neil deGrasse Tyson, but between him and us, uh, right um, on. <laughs> he's very, very intelligent. And he said, you know, theoretically, so you take equals mc squared and he's saying basically what that's telling you is that at the constant which is the speed of light energy is mass and so if we reach the speed of light all mass becomes energy so the problem is coming out of light speed does it all get put back into the same oh formation? god i was like oh shit so um, it's like coming out of the uh the teleporter with like an arm coming out of your right, chest right. or something yeah, yeah and that's i mean that's presupposing that we can get to light speed yeah if, it's, if it is physically possible but i was i was listening to a scientist talk about like let's say we we sent a probe to go explore the nearest galaxy that we could reach or like the near uh, what would you uh, the nearest star system yeah that we would we could reach he's like it would be pointless to to send one off now because in a hundred years we would invent one that could pass it zip past it yeah it's like so what's the what do we do like when you're faced with a conundrum like that I and mean, just do it just anyway send it anyway like, honestly, so you have yeah. two then you have two one just is way far behind two's better than one yeah. plus like in the future that could become like a tourist destination if there's like a space cruise or whatever mm-hmm. you're like all right well if you look to your left uh you'll see uh that probe we sent mm. uh 500 years ago mm-hmm. and like it's all it's going to the planet that, like they're cruising to like they've sure. already got like a colony on that planet at this point but like hey like you can see like some ancient human history and just thinking i just thought i had this thought i mean you could probably just engineer the second probe to pick up the other one oh yeah just piggyback and just keep getting probes to like piggyback so all of a sudden you have seven probes entering the star system yeah so. i mean you can find some way to repurpose that you know sure. what yeah. have you yeah yeah sell it off as a NFT at some point. Indeed. Or <laughs> I don't know how this I don't know how anything works anymore. <laughs> Up is down. Art is art is actual money. I don't get it. Oh my lord. So Night Squatch, black metal. And I know everything else is too far beyond locking in certain, but what do you want to do with like let's say okay, let's say twenty twenty was a wash. 
And <laughs> what do you want 2021 going into 2022 to look like for you? Hmm. Definitely want to uh, be focusing a lot more on visual art. Okay. I think. Um, I've been kind of neglecting that for in favor of music for a couple of years. Um, and I got I to gotta let that pendulum swing the other way now. Okay. Um, yeah. That's that's where I'm at, I think. To boil it down to like something stupid that I'm going to say, is there a healthy balance between the two that you find optimal? Like so two drawings to every song, like I'm sure there is a healthy balance. I have yet to find it. Okay. Um so far I have only really been able to be in one mode or the other and like I'll still do both, but like definitely like my focus is on one or the other. I yeah, I can I get that. I get that. So you got any other plugs? You got anything? So look out for the upcoming split. What's the name of that? Uh, Again? The split doesn't have a name. Um, it's just the, um, the Servants of the Mist and Night Squatch split. Okay. Uh, the song we're going to have on that is called Totality. Uh, he's going to put up the <laughs> the art um, at some point. Um, yeah, plug in. Uh, I'm just plugging aliens, dude. The truth is out there. Yeah, look for that 60 Minutes tonight. I'll post this up today. Um, <laughs> upcoming album as well? Uh, yeah, the upcoming album. Uh, we're not quite sure when it's coming out yet. It's called The Old Blood. Um, and it's going to be real fucking good. Very excited for that. Very cool. Um, yeah, I've been listening to that in my car a lot. Uh, just like doing the thing where you pick apart the mixes and figure out what's quite wrong, what's right, what needs to be tweaked sure oh real quick before we before we go wh- where were you we, uh, what was the recording process like where were y'all doing it out of and oh uh, how did it go we're doing it with max um okay yeah and uh he's been real patient with us um personally i don't have a lot of recording experience this is the first time i've done something like this so i'm kind of deferring to the experts in this case mm-hmm. um because when we did the ep uh first contact uh i definitely rushed that like bobby shock he's amazing he's very good at what he does and uh he was giving me suggestions that I was not listening to in hindsight. I definitely should have been. I rushed that project. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like I, I was just trying to get something out the door so that we had something to like get booked with. Like yeah. here's the recording of our crap. It was more of a demo than an EP even. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Just like confirmation. You can play your instrument. Yeah. Um, so this time, uh, I am listening to the people telling me to take it slowly. Um, so that's what we're doing. And it's, a lot more meticulous than I'm typically comfortable doing, but like the end result speaks for itself. I'm super jazzed. Hell yeah. Well, when it, when it's uh, on its way, when the, when the end is in sight, let me know, come back on. It'd be my pleasure about it. Thanks for coming in, man. Thank you.